so apparently I did it again, uploading a podcast with only one audio, just my audio. I'm a fool, but please enjoy this episode. I fixed it now. Good morning or evening or afternoon or night, brothers and sisters. It is my pleasure uh, to be conducting here today. Of course, I am Elder Jackson, and presiding on the stand is Bishop Jensen, and we're joined with love from the stake by Counselor Davis. Would you guys like to say hi? It's a little unorthodox to have people say hi in sacrament meeting, but here we go. Good morning. <laughs> good morning. <laughs> Good morning for me. Uh, uh, Good morning, brothers and sisters. I bring a warm uh, welcome and and a message from uh, President uh, Miller from the stake. (laughs) He he sends his love and wants wants you to know that he is um, constantly thinking about the needs of of those in, in the ward. That is, that is much appreciated. Uh, thank you for bringing that love to our attention. Uh, we're going to sing hymn number something, uh, There is a Green Hill Far Away. <laughs> and, then, and then we're going to talk about what it means to be a good person. So this was kind of your idea, Bishop. Do you want to take the lead on this conversation a bit on what it means to be a good person now that... We are lost to outer darkness, and we have no guidance or morality anymore. When I was a missionary, let's start out. <laughs> when I was a missionary, I just remember, like, people we talked to on the street would say, well, I believe in being a good person. And that statement would frustrate me because I, I would just jump to, like, well, how do you know what a good person is? Yeah, outside of religion. But what do you mean you're a good person? That doesn't mean anything. And then now leaving the church— when, when Mormons say, well, now that you've left the church, how, what, what do you do? And, and sometimes ex-Mormons or post-Mormons will say, well, I believe in being a good person. And I still find that frustrating because, well, that still doesn't mean anything. And being a good person is what you were trying to do when you were a Mormon in the first place. So how are you even doing anything different from what you were doing before? <laughs> so I just open that question up to you guys. Now that you've left the church, how are you defining or, or setting the terms of being a good person? What does a good person mean to you? Hmm. And where are you at in finding that? Well, I had an interesting conversation with uh, a non-member probably about seven or eight years ago. We had gone to high school together and I saw him downtown, you know, 12, 13 years after we parted ways. Uh, from high school and and we reconnected we went out for lunch a couple of times and I thought you know what I'm going to bring Adam a book of Mormon I'm going to convert him to Mormonism so we had a lunch and I you know we got in conversation about uh, ethics and being good people and I presented the book of Mormon and said you know the teachings in this book will change your life he's like no I don't think they will I'm like they will they'll they'll make you a better person he's like no I take I take cues for you know, being a good person from my conscience. Like I know how to be a good person. And I was like, no, you don't come on. You need the book of Mormon because it will teach you how to be a good person. And now looking back on that, I am so embarrassed about that conversation. Like Mm -hmm. it is insane. Like the book of Mormon actually doesn't outline anything about being a good person. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, You know, the intent was that maybe the spirit through the book of Mormon would teach him how to be a better person. But yeah, like, I don't know. I'm just so embarrassed about that conversation in hindsight, but I guess to answer the question, yeah. Like, what do I, 
it, it's constantly evolving, right? It's constantly mm-hmm. like trying to figure out what I believe and what Mormonism has done to those beliefs and like picking out like the weird nuances of Mormonism and like discarding those, like you don't, you can still be a really great person and never go to the temple. You can still be a really great person and smoke cigarettes. You can still be a really great person and drink Coke or alcohol or do drugs or whatever. Like they're not, they're not a determination of whether or not somebody's good. Hmm. Yeah. I think that's a, an interesting distinction to make of like the difference between the person the individual and the things that they do rather than kind of lumping that together. I think uh, growing up in the church, there was the, so much of a, a works I- idea, right? And I really like took to that because I like doing good things. I like living a clean life. I like that lifestyle. And and so I I always justified like the truthfulness of the church based on um, how like good thing, like people's behavior, like the things that they did. Whereas like I've met great people who are drug addicts, you know, like that doesn't just totally discredit somebody's goodness and kindness, the love that they give their family. And so for me, the way I see it is you get your morals, your goodness from the people around you, from other people showing you love, from other people showing you kindness, right? Like it wasn't the Book of Mormon that taught me kindness. It was my mom, right? And so mm-hmm. that's that's where I come at it from. <clears throat> Interesting. I was uh, like, this was probably five years ago. I borrowed a car from an in-law. They had a Brad Wilcox do you guys know who Brad Wilcox is? He's like one of those EFY oh. fireside kind of John by the way types. Yeah. And he was, I can't remember what, but I put it in just for giggles to see what this guy had to say. And he's telling a story about like, after he gives one of his, his firesides, a young man comes up to him and says, how do I know if I'm really good enough or something like that? And well, I started asking him questions and, you know, he didn't have a girlfriend. He was living the law of chastity and keeping the word of wisdom. And I thought this is a great young person. And I listened to that and I thought, Absolutely none of that has to do with what Jesus taught when he was, you know, teaching in the New Testament. But that is where Mormons set the bar of being a good person is I don't have sex before marriage. I don't look at pornography and I don't drink alcohol, coffee or tea, and I don't use tobacco or illegal drugs. And if I do those things that I'm a good person and that is the bar for being a good person. Mm-hmm. I was teaching you Sunday school at the time and I told him that story and I, I said, wouldn't, how do you think the church would be different? if the temple recommend questions were based on the beatitudes Hmm. right how do you think we'd be different as members of the church if that was the you know have you been uh are you meek are you humble are you lowly in heart uh do you bless those that curse you do you do you wish well to those that despitefully use you do you agree quickly with your adversary while you're in the way with him instead of like you acknowledge the brethren is the soul blah, 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 and endorse the bureaucracy and all your thoughts, words, and deeds. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I was uh, in a bishopric before I left and uh, conducted a lot of temple recommend interviews. So you were deep in the enemy's council. 
Yeah, yeah. I've been uh, wanting to we... say that. It's from Lord of the Rings. I've just been wanting to say that. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> well, I, I am technically a high priest. Right. The oh, highest, big, of, the big, greatest of all of us. Big man. <laughs> yeah, that's why, I'm, that's why I'm from the stake. But uh, yeah, I really had a hard time, hard time with the Temple Recommend um, interview questions because there's this one part, which is like, are you honest in all thy doings? Or I don't know if they say thy. Anyways. Um, and people would be like, yeah, yeah. But I'm like, that, that's actually probably the most important question of mm-hmm. them all. Right. You know, I'm thinking about digging a pit for thy neighbor. Like it's just, there's so many people that are not, and that that's what kind of like really irked me. Cause when I saw members doing dishonest things or like kind of, you know, speeding to the temple to be there on time, I was just like, are we going about this the wrong way? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was, that was probably the one thing that like when you transition out of the church is very traumatic and that was the one thing that I kind of held on to. Like, yes, I don't pay my tithing. Yes, you know, I don't believe that Joseph Smith is a prophet of God. And like, I, you know, disbelieved all those things. But I said, but I, I am honest in what I do. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of like what made things okay for me in leaving the church. Because I'm like, God knows my heart. God knows that I'm doing these things like with sincerity. And I can honestly say that I'm honest in, in, my, like, in my works with, with my fellow being. But marijuana is pretty fucking awesome too. <laughs> that was so. When when I left, that's one of the things my mom uh, said to me. She she's like, okay, well, uh, I mean, as long as you're not doing any any drugs or or anything, you know. And uh, she was just basically like, okay, just as as long as you're not going off the deep end, you know. But and then she she says. Because those things are evil. And I was like, well, I said, Mom, I don't think I'd use the word evil to describe them. But I'm like, okay, if if you feel that way about it. You know, there's this weird thing about giving agency to, like, things, you know. Mm -hmm. Alcohol isn't evil. Marijuana is not evil. Opioids aren't evil they're they're things and they can be used for good purposes or bad purposes you know and uh so counselor davis i don't judge you don't worry <laughs> uh but yeah i just I'm thought that was like me that was like a weird thing the obsession with um maintaining i don't know some sort of like it was okay for me not to believe but it was worse for me to do these other things is kind of like what it sounded like to me. I think, I, yeah. I think when it's like, cause when I told my parents, I wasn't going to do the church thing anymore. I pretty much had like a passive aggressive question from my mom, which was pretty much to the effect, like, are you smoking, drinking, doing drugs in a swinger now? You know, like <laughs> all of the above, all, all of them, right? But it was like, so what do you think is right and wrong? And I'm like, so do you mean am I keeping the standards of the church, right? Like, yeah, they're more concerned the, with you keeping the standards of the church, yeah, than you showing up on Sunday and like doing the ordinances and stuff, which is such a strange thing. And I but know I, not everybody feels that way, obviously, but. There definitely I, is when when you leave, it's like, 
oh, but you're still going to keep the standards, right? It's like you realize like the standards were set by like a bureaucracy and like control freaks, right? Like, yeah, um, I've the the LDS church ascribes a lot of power to things, right? To inanimate things to, mm-hmm. you know, and funny you say that, like I've been working with my kids on swearing, but to try and take away the power of the swear word. And so I was walking with my son yesterday and I was saying, Oh, I got all this shit to do today. Uh, I mean stuff. And he thought it was funny. <laughs> well, he started laughing like that. I'm like, what's so funny. He's like, well, you said that swear word. And then you said, uh, stuff right after. And it was funny. And I said, what word did I say again? He's like, you know, the S word. And I'm like, what S word self selfie sunshine. What S word? He's like, no, the, the bad S word. I'm like, what's the bad S word. Just say it. But he's like petrified to say it. And I'm like, it's just a word and it won't kill you if you just say it. And he's like, well, I'll go to hell. And I'm like, well, do you believe in a hell? He's like, oh, yeah. And I'm like, well, do you believe in a heaven? He's like, no. I'm like, so we just, <laughs> like, anyway, me and a seven year old were having an epistemological <laughs> discussion. But any, like, I'm just trying to take away, it's not just Mormonism that does that, it might be society at large, but we empower mm-hmm. things that are inanimate and have no action. Right. And I'm like, it's just a word. You can say it. Just don't say it around grandma and don't say it too much around me and your mom or else we might get sick of it. Right. But it's just a word. Right. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that comes to, you know, respect and interpretation of things like the way we understand curse words in our society is like, Hey, you know, it's not professional, right? Like don't overuse it. And the only reason that is, it's just a collection of syllables right? Like it's just sounds. Yeah. But, you know, because we understand it that way. And I think that, I don't know, for me, you know, this good life, this, you know, being a good person is just an understanding and appreciation of what, like what matters and what doesn't matter, right? Somebody swears at me, you know, I'm more concerned about the intention than the word itself. But growing Mm -hmm. up, I was far more concerned about the word. I didn't care what context you said it in. It was offensive. And so I think just taking a step back and and being able to acknowledge the nuance in things and appreciate, you know, um, the, I guess, complexity of the way that we choose to see the world and what we can control and what we can't control. My brother uh, is a high school teacher, and he was sharing with his English class uh, the the differences between the connotation and the definition of words. And I think for Mormons, we get really hung up on the connotation of words instead of the actual definition. And I think that's where kind of the the swear words kind of sit like, okay, the connotation is really strict and we're worried about that, but what is the definition of – and another way to say that is like, okay, what is the context versus like – um, like the reality. Cause I think of like polygamy and like polygamy, when you distill it down is, is a horrid, horrid practice. And, you know, that's the definition of it, but like the connotation that Mormonism is trying to like Mormons try to propagate is, you know, it's the higher law, blah, blah, blah. And we get so fixated on the connotation and it's like, Holy, that person sweared. They must be a really bad, bad person. It's like, well, let's, let's, let's look at the definition. Let's get down to the root of what's going on here and actually get into that. 
And then with like having a happy life, like I think Andrew, you hate the connotation of, you know, being a good person or, you know, having a, a good life. But I think we need to get like the definition or like distill it down and like, okay, what does that, what does that actually mean? Yes. For, yeah. And that's like, have you guys read the Socratic dialogue about Euthyphro? Mm-hmm. You've read it. Have you read it, Mark? Did you no. have to read it in high school? So the Socratic dialogue, Euthyphro is this guy, he meets so- uh, Socrates at the courthouse and they're talking like, why are you here? What did you do? And, and so um, Euthyphro's there because he's, his dad killed a slave and he's charging his dad with murder. And, um, and Socrates is like, what kind of man would take his own dad to the courthouse over killing a slave? And he's like, well, I'm a just and, and pious person. That's the word they use is pious. And so Socrates is, well, how do you know that what you're doing is pious? And he's like, well, whatever the gods think is pious, that's pious. And whatever they hate is not pious or holy. And, um, and, and they just get into this discussion, but it boils down to, you know, are things good because... God said they're good or does God tell us to do things because they're good in and of themselves? And, and so where do we get good from? Does it come from a higher power or is it, is it good because we say it's good or is it good because it's independently good? And that's kind of where I start going with this. Like where, where do you get your goodness from? Where do you get your definition of good from? And that's kind of what the Euthyphro dialogue is, is kind of about is where, what is good? What does good even mean? How do you know that something's good? <laughs> well, and, and then you it, see, like and when you think about swinger clubs and like, uh, like I'm like, man, that is that is brutal. But like, you you talk to people. I I worked with a lady who was like a swinger with her husband, mm-hmm. and uh, one time I didn't know this at the time, but then she like came to me and this other manager. She's like, my husband, my husband has cheated, and then my the other manager was like, but you guys are swingers. She's like, I know, I know, but um, I didn't know that my husband was sleeping with this one woman and I was like, so confused. I was like, wait, you're a swinger. And it like took me a second to like figure out what was going on. And then I'm like, why are you upset that your husband slept with someone that you didn't know about? But like, it's like, it's okay for them to swing. Like that's, that's, that's okay with them. And I don't know if I'm there yet. (laughs) (laughs) My wife has anything to say about it. I will never be there. Yeah. But, um, but like, how do they get to a point where they're okay with that? Cause yeah. Like what is the definition of being a good person? Yeah. And, and I think it depends like it's, it's the, are you hurting anybody else kind of thing? Right? Like if you have open and honest and frank communication with people, you know, you'll be able to say like, Hey, look, this is what I am interested in. And you'll hopefully come to some sort of understanding whether, you know, um, it's, you can make it something work in your relationship or not. Um, but I think like it's so much more complicated than just being like, oh, like that is bad. Right. Like I, I think we just like deem random things good and bad. Right. Like, frankly, even polygamy, if there's like, if there's adults in consenting relationships, and that's the thing, adults, you know, like people who can consent, people who know what they're doing 
and have open, honest relationships with each other. Like a few months shy of their 18th birthday instead of a few months shy of their 14th birthday. <laughs> no, I think right. they... Or well, a few months shy of their 19th birthday. So <laughs> yeah. That would be ideal, right? My definition of adult is more like over 20. <laughs> okay, okay, but... <laughs> I feel like, I don't know, I'm 25 and I feel like that's For, that's too young. I feel like I've entered adulthood in like the last two years. Yeah. Like <laughs> in my 30s. And that's, well, that's why um, I think that like honesty and self-reflection is so important for being a good person is to sit there and think like, okay, like what matters to me, right? Like what are the important things in my life? What do I care about? And in, instead of... Um, like trading one idol for another, right? Mm -hmm. Like, okay, so congratulations, you've left the Mormon church and now you're jumping into, you know, this crazy lifestyle X or this crazy lifestyle Y and you think, you know, now I figured it out, you know, but what about just like sitting there and thinking like I'm taking this time right after leaving to think like, okay, like what do I really want with my life? Right. I'm not dating right now because I'm like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know how I would date, date when I'm trying yeah. to figure myself out. Right. And uh, I, I think that's one of the hardest things in like trying to process this. Mm -hmm. I, don't know, I feel like I'm rambling about it. That's just okay. kind of my well, verbal do you diarrhea. Jump in, do you want to jump in there, <laughs> Counselor Davis, or I've got some thoughts? No, I'm just saying, um, Elder J Jackson, you should uh, hit Tinder super hard, man. I... <laughs> I uh, no. I downloaded <laughs> Tinder and realized I had no social skill. And so I literally downloaded it. And half an hour later, I deleted my profile and was like, I'm never, I can't. I'm like, I don't know I how to this. use this. For like, yeah, when dating in like, I could barely date in the LDS scene, right? Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> okay. Okay. I did, I did, I did have my fair share. Like I, I, I was, yeah, I had, I had girls waiting to you know line up i think one i think i think the last year like i was asked like seven times to preference or something it was kind of kind of a big deal guys i so, did um, i did get asked to preference so i mean you know just saying just saying yeah um, i i got asked to preference because i think i fit the mold of like the the gay best friend it's like he seems yeah that's harmless. probably that's probably seems very harmless so Andrew won't try and make a relationship out of this. So that, just ask this guy. That's probably uh, how I got asked to preference to. Right. Yeah. So, we can't right. all, we can't all be counselor Davis. Yeah. IRC president, Bishop Rick before 30 or whatever. Was it, were you in the Bishop Rick before 30? Yeah. Just after my 27th birthday. Oh, big Big deal. Uh, sorry, just after, just after my twenty eighth birthday. Yeah. A few months shy of twenty eight. <laughs> I was like, <a> giant. <laughs> I was actually my thirty first year. No, um, <laughs> I was, I was, yeah. I think I've said this before, but I was a, I was a very big fish in a small, small bowl. Mm -hmm. Andrew or uh, Bishop. Bishop Jensen, what, you must what, what address me respect. in the proper order, proper <laughs> prescribed order of things um like with the like with the talk about swinging and stuff like that i think like when you uh like what i found yeah you leave the church and it is like you kind of take some time to process like 
do I drink now? Do I drink coffee? Am I drinking coffee because everybody else is drinking coffee or am I drinking coffee because there's some benefits of, you know, getting a caffeine shot and work productivity or whatever. Right. Like I remember the first time I had a cup of coffee, it was like a Wednesday and I felt like I was in that movie limitless. (laughs) And I was like, I am going to solve everything. World hunger, world peace, all of it. It's within my grasp. I think I can fix all these problems, guys. I think like, you know what? I think we've got it. Um, And then I think like with, uh, with the the swinger you're talking about, I've kind of, I found in the relationship is that it's not that the action is what's upsetting. It's the deceit that's upsetting. Right. Mm -hmm. So I know like me and my wife had a very, very, very brief conversation. I said, so now that we're out of the church, have you ever thought about like unicorn threesome? Are we orgy people now? She's like, yeah, I've thought about it. I'm like, okay, so what do you think? She's like, I don't want to. I'm like, yeah, me neither. Like (laughs) too radical of a shift, right? Mm -hmm. Like just, you know, having some coffee, having some alcohol, that is all, you know, whatever, but all of a sudden going like, we're full on <laughs> orgy people, not <laughs> too weird, right? Not happening at least like not in the next 25 years, I don't think, but we had the conversation. It was a very, very brief conversation. It, it was open. It was like, yeah, I've thought about it. I have considered the implications of not living with this sexual value system anymore. I'm not interested. Are you? No. Okay, great. Let's never talk about this again. Yeah. Right. It's like you, you get to decide your rules, right? Like, yeah, you get to say, honestly, like, what, what am I looking for out of life instead of being told the rules by somebody else? And then you get to decide, you know, what's right for you, right? I am the most vanilla person I've ever met. I don't think the Mormon church made me that way. I think I was born incredibly vanilla. And so I don't expect that I will ever be an orgy person ever in my life. And (laughs) I am comfortable making that decision for myself. I think that's fine. But you're into butt stuff, right? Sorry, (laughs) I had to say. No, (laughs) not that either. (laughs) (laughs) No, and and yeah, like when you do leave uh, the church, yeah, and even like, yeah, like picking and choosing what you want to do. I thought for sure I'd never like I've had a couple cups of coffee and I it's disgusting to me. I've never I've never really taken to it. But uh, you know, the first couple of times that I tried marijuana, like it was it was mind blowing. Like I couldn't shut up about it. Like I was telling <laughs> everybody, I was like, Hey, you know what? I got high for my first time like two nights ago and it was awesome. Um Andrew did or um dang it, counselor. You can uh, call Bishop. me Andrew now. Bishop Bishop Jensen, <laughs> did I did I send you that video that my, yeah of uh, you getting high? Have you yeah, seen the video? Laying, laying in bed like yeah. laughing like the Joker? <laughs> yeah, was... yeah. Did I send you the one of me getting high? No, no. Because it was also a Joker laugh, but it was. Have you you've seen it? Arrested Development. There's like a scene where they accidentally eat pot brownies, mm-hmm. and then they're like kind of stumbling through the house. So I'm kind of stumbling around the house, and then I think about that scene from that show, and then it is so exactly like what i'm doing right now that i can't stop laughing about (laughs) and then i pour out like a bowl of cereal and milk (laughs) and for some reason the milk coming out of the milk carton is absolutely hilarious and like my i feel like my rib cage is going to explode because i'm laughing so hard it feels so good like (laughs) like what triggered me was i um with some work emails this uh, this guy named enos had emailed 
um, me and some other people and said some pretty um, naive, ignorant things. And, and my wife was like, don't respond to any emails while you're high. I'm like, I'm going to email back Enos the penis. And then that just like set me off and I laughed for like 25 minutes straight. Yeah. And, and my, like my wife like left, she's like, I can't take this anymore. And she could hear me like cackling throughout the entire house for 25 minutes. And yeah, it was. I, there's one friend that I've gotten high with a couple of times, but we find the same things absolutely hilarious without even talking about them. We're like looking at a bunch of grapes on the table and I'm like, <laughs> It's just like, and he starts laughing and I'm like, I don't know what we're laughing about. But, and then I'm like, have you ever seen Cheech and Chong? He's like, this is exactly like Cheech and Chong. Anyway. So yeah. Anyway, <laughs> we, di- we digress. We digress. We digress. But uh, it, I think one thing that I am actually thankful for the, the church for is that it kept me away from those things until I was at a time in my life where I could actually do them responsibly. Yeah. Right. I right. avoided a lot of trouble, I think by not doing those things in my teen years. And now like in my thirties, I've, you know, I have a spouse who can look after me if things get to, you know, I've got somebody on hand who can call the hospital if I need to, to go or something, you know, somebody who can take care of me, uh, someone I feel safe with who I trust and stuff like that. Um, anyway, being a good person, (laughs) (laughs) But you know, sorry, I'll I'll say share one more thought. Um, when you leave the church, like in the church, everything's black and white. Like the church has an answer for everything, except it doesn't. But you feel like there's an answer for everything. Everything can be explained. Yeah. yeah. And then when you leave the church, there was like this mysterious awe that appeared in my life. Like I was, I had all these questions. And it was like, it was nice to like, not have to worry about finding answers for those questions and just like embrace life here and now, like we get so focused on the hereafter, we kind of miss the right now, but these mysterious questions that, you know, we thought we knew in Mormonism, we don't know anymore. And it, and it kind of creates this, yeah, this like sublime, like, ah, like, okay, like I'm not in control of my life but life is pretty awesome and there's so much to experience and so much to do. Let's, let's experience it. Yeah. That's one of the things I explained to one of my friends when, when I told her that I'd left and she asked me, you know, she's like, so what's like, what's the point, you know? And, uh, and I tried to explain that I like that. I, I, don't think there is any inherent meaning to life other than whatever I decide to give it right now. And I said, as soon as I stopped worrying about, you know, bringing souls unto Christ and doing everything right and following the rules, I was actually able to like turn to people and start caring about people right here, right now, instead of worrying like, oh, what eternal consequences will this have? And, oh, I can't do that because that would make me a bad person. And instead just saying, I'm just, I'm just here to be a decent human being. That's it. And, and like right now. In the last week, thinking about this, about being a good person and what it means to be a good person and where do we get good from and, and, and what is good and how do you define good? 
I got myself really, really mentally spun up and I was feeling just kind of generally on edge and a bit angry. And I was like, the last time I felt like this was when I was going to church, because when I was going to church, I was always thinking about what is the good or right thing to do all the time. And I was always spun up about it and always angry about it. And, and I was like, oh my, I haven't felt this way in such a long time. Like it was such a relief to not, to just be like, I deal with situations as they come. Mm -hmm. I deal with moral dilemmas as they come and I try and make the best choice that I can. And if I make a wrong choice, I'll find out and, and then just try and do better next time. And that's all I can do. And I, like, I think that's the crux of being a, a good person is I just, I make the best choice I can. If I make a mistake, I try and do better next time. And other than that, like, I can't do anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of an obsession, I think there's a lot of guilt that goes around in high demand religions. Yeah. Well, it's, it's crazy that the Book of Mormon says, like, everything that is good comes from God. And everything that's not good comes from the devil. Like, I remember thinking, like, you're on, like, this this knife's edge of, like, falling, falling to, like, either side and going to, like, the depths of hell or, like, the celestial kingdom. Like, literally with every single thing you do in your life. And I was, like, at times that was, like, kind of overwhelming. Mm-hmm. It's, like... Like, like what? And I, and I think now step back and be like, there's a lot of stuff that's just mundane Mm -hmm. um, and you don't have to worry about it. But then there's other things where you just don't be an ass, just like help your fellow human, like be a decent person. Yeah. Right. Like, don't be a dick. That's what I'm trying to ascribe myself to now as a, (laughs) as a governing philosophy. Right. Well, cause I, I think as a member of the church, as a big dick and, uh, I think uh, compensating like I was right? yeah compensating for my lack of uh, for my micro penis. Um, <laughs> but uh, you heard it here first, folks. Yeah. <laughs> and my wife can come on the show and attest to the same. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I remember, like, I was so angry, and and. I was like an angry anarchist probably from the first time I heard the word when I was like 12 and I always had to fight the power and I didn't know why, but I, it, it, I always had this feeling to fight the power. And then when I stopped going to church, I'm like, I don't really care who's in charge anymore. And you know, sometimes this party gets it right. Sometimes these guys get it right. I just don't really care. And you know, overall, I think I'm happier with a government than without one, no matter who it is. And, but before, for a long time, I had like all these anti-establishment feelings. And I think it was just that, I was born into an autocracy that I didn't understand, but I couldn't openly hate it. So I just hated everything that looked like it. Hmm. And then when I let it all go, I, I don't care anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've been going through that, you know, there are lots of systems and everybody's part of one or another or 10. And yeah, I, I just, I think, that can't stop you from just being a decent person, living your life. Yeah. Any more thoughts? Has anybody come to a conclusion on being a good person? That's what I, (laughs) what does it mean to be a good person? Have we, have we Hmm. come to a conclusion on that? Well, in this pandemic time when people are polarized and, you know, villainizing each other, you know, I think, so, like um, I think we need to understand our privilege first of all to understand like being a good person because it's it's all in context. 
your privilege as well as um, uh, doing inner work. So, you know, uh, Bishop Jensen, you mentioned this before, but like seriously, like pausing and like looking at yourself, what you have, what you do and why you do it constantly. Right. Like just stepping back and like pulling yourself out of context for a second, just be like, okay, why am I doing this? What are forming these thoughts? And like white people are, are terrible. And I, and I like generally like white people are like the worst uh, committers of like atrocities and stuff, just because we have so much privilege. And, and like, if we just step back and be like, okay, you know what? Like speaking personally, I'm a white male over six feet, you know, more likely to become a CEO than any other like demographic period. Mm -hmm. I have so much opportunity afforded to me because of that. And for that reason, I need to really step back and like, okay, I need to recognize what does being good mean? Like with the Black Lives Matter, like you don't have the solution to shut up and listen, right? Like there's just, you don't have the solution for this. So you just need to sit back and relax and listen and support mm-hmm. and just lots of inner work, lots of inner communication, you know, and, and, um, and discovery. Hmm. Yeah. For, for me, it's a, just an everyday effort, you know, wake up and, you know, think about what I didn't like about myself yesterday and, uh, just try and do it better today. Okay. Uh, anybody, (laughs) I like, I, Mark, I think with those with, um, like kind of understanding privilege, like privilege is a modern or, or at least contemporary kind of uh, value. Right. So, I mean, 50 years ago, talking about privilege, would that still be seen as a societal good? Like are goods are things that are good universal or are they good based on what society values? It's that's how I read. Go ahead. Well, I, you know, there's the conversation between equity and equality, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's that, have you seen that picture of, you know, three kids trying to like look through these holes in this fence and right. one's tall, one's medium, one's short. Yeah. And equality is giving each child one box to sit on or stand yeah. on. Yeah. And the tall guy can still see in the medium guy can still see in, but the small guy still can't see in because he's only on one box. Yeah. But equity is giving you know, that small person, two boxes and that tall person, no box. And then they all have the same opportunity to look through the holes in the fence. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, you know, I, I, I think being good um, is not necessarily relative, mm-hmm. but being good means different, uh, something different uh, depending, who, you know, who is committing the goodness and who the recipient is. That, that sounds kind of weird, but you know, it's, I think being good for, for everyone is, is different. Cause there's, mm-hmm. there's different circumstances. Like it's mm-hmm. like, I just think of like the evangelical white group in the United States, like they're horrendous people. <laughs> oh like yeah. They're, yeah. they're vile people. Yeah. But like, you know, but if, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if I can go down this rabbit hole. Okay. Sufficiently right like, now. like, okay. One way I'd re restate the Euthyphro dilemma is are, like, are things good because they're intrinsically good or are they good because that is what society says are good. Right. 
And I think throughout all time, good people are people who try and latch onto the, the, the values that the majority of society values for good or bad and try and follow those. And that's what a good person is. So right now we value equity and justice a lot more than what we did 50 years ago. And so I think that if you start going with the flow, which is like the exact opposite of what you're taught as, as an LDS person, but if you go with the flow of what the majority of your peer group sees as good, I think that would make you a good person, right? In the eyes of everybody else, right? Um, I think on the other hand, with justice, like they do research with primates and primates have a sense of justice and fairness. And I think with a social species, I think those are justice and fairness are at least two principles that I think, you know, even further down the evolutionary chain, they're intrinsically linked to a social group. So if we're going to be social and a social species, then we have to learn how to be just and fair. Yeah. And and I think justice and, and, Fairness is taught. And I think people with money are a lot more unjust than the rest of us. Right? I just think there's this like, and you know, I'm speaking with broad strokes here. Yeah. But you know, their their definition of justice is a, like is skewed than yeah. than for the rest of us. Yeah. Because it's like if you can't empathize, I don't know if there can be proper justice or proper equity. I agree. There. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, there was a, uh, I was listening to a philosopher on YouTube. I think his channel is called philosophy tube, but he's talking about some other philosopher who came up with the idea of the, he called it the liberal communist. And what he's talking about is people like Bill Gates or Jeff Bezos, where they set up these corporations and shell companies, they avoid paying taxes, but then they try to, donate to charity and do good things instead of just paying taxes. Right. And so they, it's like they espouse these communist or socialist values, but only if they can do it. Mm -hmm. Right. It's socialism on my terms. Right. So when you talk like Jeff Bezos and Amazon, they set up all these charities and donate to all these charities. It'd be great if Amazon just paid the 25% tax rate, that would just be great. And then don't donate to any charities and just pay the 20. And then we can build bridges and roads and, and help the water in Flint, Michigan, and, you know, do all these other things. Right. But you know, yeah, I get what you're saying about the, the exceptionally rich having a weird view of justice and fairness. Right. Yeah. I've heard the the dangerous philanthropy, like what you've mentioned. Yeah. Just, you know, Zuckerberg, donating a hundred million dollars to the education program in the state of New York. Right. It's like, no, just, just pay your taxes because the government is acutely aware of the needs of Mm -hmm. the general public. And if you would just pay your share, yeah, a lot of the stuff would be resolved. (laughs) Yeah. But it's like, it's like it justice and equity, but justice and equity on my terms. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I, have we beaten this to death? Yeah. We may have to conclude. Okay. In the name of, I I just, I just, I just want to say another thing since you've you've brought up Euthyphro a couple times and I just want to, I just want to quote Euthyphro here. He says another time, Socrates, for I am in a hurry and must go now. (laughs) Awesome. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.